That was from last week, and I heard that I missed uh, you guys went fishing for fans last week. So, uh, <laughs> and the good news is you got one. So, congratulations. Um, yes, I, I got your video. I got your video. This is good. I got it. Um, so, uh, but that was pretty powerful. Um, you know, he told me about some of it, and um, it's like uh, a really... It's a significant step in our walk with our Savior when we can have a better understanding of how to cast our cares upon Him. It's really significant. It's really significant because it really does make the load a lot lighter. Um, and, and being a Christian, you know, it, being a Christian, being a Christ follower is tough stuff. It's hard. And with that comes some heaviness, for sure. Um, Jesus said, you know, whoever denies themselves takes up their cross and follow me. Like, there's some weight to that. There is. Um, but we're not intended to carry all of it, you know, and that's kind of why I like that second song, you know, take a moment to remember. Um, your burden is so light, you know, and th- there's something I think that we have to learn as being Christ followers that much of our mindset and emotional life God is saying, hey, let, let me carry, let me, let me have that. I want to show you what I can do with it. And um, that, that's, a, that's a difficult thing to kind of understand and walk through that because that's a skill that's learned through being in relationship with God and by following Him. Um, and so I, I do like the, I wish I thought of it, I like the illustration of casting something, you know, because I like fishing too, but casting something and then cutting your line. Like, <laughs> I'm really upset when I have a really nice lure. Like one lure I like to go to that catches the fish. I mean, it catches the fish. It's a build dance popper. You throw this thing and it stays top water. That's the most fun way to fish, I think. Because you see all the action on the water instead of underneath. So you throw out that popper, you know, and, just, and all it does is it makes this popping noise on the water. And they just attack it. Push, push, push. You know, and even if you miss it, it was still fun because you saw at least the fish attempt to try and get it. That's fun to me. Um, it stinks when you throw that thing out and you've been catching fish and using it when it's just gone. Something hits it and you never see it again. No! You know? But on the flip side, I think that was the point of Keith's illustration was that, hey, just let the Rapala go. Let the popper go. Like, just, you know. Um, and that's easier said than done, right? Easier said than done got to be spirit-led for sure, and, and, and we got to do it in community together. It's not something we could just do on our own, you know, by ourselves. Um, so that 2, 6 through 16 thing, just cross that out. That's from last week. Let's pray before we start up this week. Holy Spirit, this is your time, your day. We come here to, to hear from you, to encourage one another, to give you praise, uh, to exalt you in the proper position as our King and as our Savior. That's why we get together, Lord, to give you praise that's due you, to ask for your kingdom come, for your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, Lord. And so, Father, we pray that you will do that. Um, We pray that your transformational work will take place in our hearts and in our homes and in our church. So, God, we just love you. We pray you bless our time, Father. Help us to be um, just in tune with, with what you're doing with how you're moving, um, and our situation here uh, in Naugatuck, and in our homes here. 
wherever we live, Lord. I pray that we would be aware and that our eyes would be opened. We have our God goggles on, Lord, for what you're doing. We'd be intentional about that, Father. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yeah, so I super-duper missed you guys last week. Um, I don't use the term hate a lot, but because uh, my mom raised me that way. Um, but uh, I hate missing Sundays. I do. I really do. I do. I hate missing Sundays. Um, but I felt like that was, that was one that I had to miss. And so my heart was with you. And um, uh, what I went to, I, was, I describe it, it really depends upon who you talk to. How you describe it. Because it's a very different thing. So when I'm talking to you, I'm going to say it in a particular way. When I talk to my kids at school, which of course they ask about and it comes up in conversation, it's like a totally different way. So I'll start maybe with how I talk with it to them. Because maybe that might even be helpful for to you when you just talk about spiritual things that happen and they don't have a grid for that. Um, so, you know, I whoever the kids, there's a bunch of kids, you know, talking about, and um, you're always asking on Fridays or Thursdays, what do you do next week, or what's coming up, or what's happening, and I'm like, well, I'm going to head out to California, and then you automatically get their attention, like, oh, that's fun, you're going west coast, you know, that'll be a good time, so yeah, it'll be fun, I'm going to the west coast, going to check out California, you know, get some sun, and, um, but there won't be a lot of just hanging out, and um, I'm actually going to a, a meeting that's it's going to be praying and singing all day long. And, uh, and you should, it's really funny to see the look on their face after that because I'll, I'll tell you this, maybe I didn't tell enough kids, but the amount of kids that I did tell, not one of them was like, that sounds stupid, that's ridiculous, why would you do that? Which is interesting to me. I thought that I'd get some of that and I didn't get any of that. In fact, I got on the other end, and like I said, maybe I needed to tell more kids, I don't know, but um, the small sample that I did talk to they did respond and say, oh, that's really cool. In fact, a lot of them even went a step further and said, I'd like to go see some of that. That's interesting. I've never heard of that. Um, and so it develops into a conversation where they're like, well, is it like a CCD class? You know, is it like you know, church all day? And I'm like, kind of, kind of. And they're like, you know, why would you do that? You know, there's people close. Why can't you play with people that are close here? And I'm like, good question. I, this is good. You're totally right about that. And so what that does is that then divert the conversation into, into like, really why the, the, the prayer meeting conference is even happening. Um, and so then I had to come up with some language because the reason why that prayer meeting and conference was happening was because it was rooted in a revival. It was a revival. Revival meaning there was a group of people that were desperate and hungry. A small group of people, 1906, that were hungry and desperate for God to show up in a powerful way. And so they would fast about that. They would pray about that. They would fast about that. They would pray about that. And when we fast and we pray to God and we are hungry for him, he does show up. He doesn't hide himself to tease us. That's not a thing that he does. Sometimes he makes himself silent. So we become more aggressive at, towards going after him. And hopefully we won't fall off the wagon at that point. He's saying, no, I need you closer. But, so I can't say, hey, it's a revival meeting. You know, it's, that's not even like, what even is that? Who, 
who uses language like that that's not even on the grid of certainly a 16-year-old, most adults anyways. So I'm like, well, it was really significant in church history as far as that area and the people that were there. And so like, we're going to go and we're going to talk about that and we're going to pray that hopefully something like that happens over here. You know, and then tie it into like their history classes because they do learn about Jonathan Edwards, who's on this side, on this coast, who's responsible for the Great Awakening. Which, if you know anything about that, basically what that means is there was a revival in New England. Here in New England. Actually happened here in Connecticut. One of the greatest sermons that's ever been given in the history of, you want to say, sermons. Put aside Jesus' like Sermon on the Mount. Because that was pretty awesome. Um, but... One of the greatest ones ever given was here, given here in Enfield, Connecticut by Jonathan Edwards. And there was three significant of these awakenings. They call them great awakenings because people were awakened to who God was, who he is, what he's expecting, and it just shifted culture. And it's still taught even in you know, their history class. Like They talk about this stuff. So we got into all of that. you know, And so it was really interesting to talk about that stuff. Um, so if you do get in conversations, you talk about things, and maybe this topic will come up, maybe you can go that route if you want to. But now we're in church, so we can just be more, use different language, right? It was uh, a, a source and a place where I went um, in California, is in uh, L.A., and we were at, Eric, you want to put it up there? Right, we were at this um, USC Coliseum, uh, where the USC Trojans play. And so you can tell from this picture, they had a football game here. Um, we sat, I should have one of those laser pointers, but we sat like uh, top right over there, and then we actually moved, and we went on that side, and then we kind of walked around, we had to get a feel from every area, um, and when I say we, it was me and my uh, brother-in-law, he's in California, so he drove six hours down to meet up, it just happened to work out, we had a th- three-day weekend off from work, so I was like, that's awesome, um, so we went here, it seats 93,000 people. And um, there were over 120,000 registered. Now, that day, it did nothing but rain, really, almost the whole day. Rain almost the whole day. So I would say there's probably about 65,000 people there. So, so on the next, you can show the next picture. So that was like from the stage view. And then, kind of looking off to the right, there's a whole other side on the left. Um, so, that leads into, like, kind of my first takeaway, my first thought. My first takeaway, my first thought, that just kind of just struck me, um, was that there are all these people going there, just going to L.A. This, and this happened within, really, six months. Nobody knew about this. It wasn't, like, a planned out thing for a period of time. This was an event that happened and started because really a bunch of pastors and friends in this country and in other countries had some similar dreams, believe it or not, and because they had this like stirring going on in their heart in a similar way. So they all contacted each other, and in basically about six months, they're like, hey, I think we're supposed to meet over here in L.A. And the reason why they chose L.A. is because in 1906, that day that I talked about earlier, in 1906, I know it seems kind of historical, but I'll get to like what happens here, but it's important that you know the context because that's really the story. 
1906, there was something called the Azusa Street Revival. And that was pastored by 34-year-old black man, William Seymour. And so we're talking 50 years outside of the Civil War and slavery. So he's pastors a small little church. And actually, at that time, they're meeting at somebody's house. It wasn't even an actual building yet. They're in somebody's house. And he, William Seymour, say William Seymour. There you go, I get a little interaction, right? William Seymour, he was actually blind in one eye. And... Um, it struck his heart that in the Bible that there's significant attention in the New Testament, the, the New Testament church, towards manifestations, say manifestations, or workings of the Holy Spirit. Things like, things like speaking in tongues, things like uh, praying for people and seeing them be healed. Things like prophetic words, something that may say something that might happen in advance, or just a strong truth that just came out of nowhere. How did they know that? I don't know. That would be considered like prophetic. Things like being filled with a lot of boldness despite persecution. So all of these things he wanted to preach about. He felt like he should because the church that um, the church circles that he were in, he felt like they, nobody had experiences with that. They were unfamiliar with it. And so their decision was to glance over it. Um, and I can kind of understand, you know, part of that stuff. So I hope you hear that he had never experienced any of that, but he chose to preach on it and talk about it anyways. So does that make him a big phony faker? Well, no, he was totally honest about it. And so he went to this church in a home on Azusa Street, and he said, he started preaching about that stuff, and they actually kicked him out. Um, And so uh, he didn't get much of a response. But a few that kind of caught their ear, they're like, you know, what is the deal? What is this? And it caught the ear of a lot of different people from a lot of different denominations. And so what happened is you start to draw, he's starting to draw in all these people from denominations. He's also starting to draw in a whole bunch of people from different races. So now you have white people fellowshipping with black people. Then there's a Latino population there. There's a Mexican population there. And the phrase that's kind of used from that era and from that time is, is that the division was washed away in the blood. Where the church had never really seen much of that before. So that was like very different. And, and people didn't quite know how to handle that. So this group that comes together, they start praying and fasting. Father, pour out your spirit on us. Like we pour out your spirit on us. Help us to resemble a little bit more like the early church. Not in an idolatry kind of way, but we feel like that there's more. So the Holy Spirit pour it out on us. Not that your gospel isn't enough. Because it's, it's totally enough within Jesus. But if there's an empowered life through grace, and, and they were unsettled about that, they wanted to wrestle God in prayer about that. So that's what they decided to do. And then, um, and then sure enough, what happened 
is that the Holy Spirit just blasted them. Just blasted them. And it just took form in people, things like tongues, things like praying for people to get healed, um, all kinds of, some crazy stuff. There's always crazy that follows, like, the genuine. It, it just always happens. There's always counterfeit, fake, and crazy. But when there's genuine, it's really powerful. It's really powerful. So that's why churches just got to be careful. You know, like, there's just always going to be people that abuse, that, that it's, it's, things are happening the wrong way. But to throw that out for the sake of the super powerful and really effective and transforming work of the genuine, I don't think that's a good trade-off. It makes things difficult, but I don't think it's a good trade-off. So, they're there, the Spirit comes, boom. And it lasts for about 10 years. What happens is people from Spain, from Europe, from England, from China, from South Korea, all over the globe, they clung. And then they go as missionaries. They just disperse all over the world. So it's estimated that that little Azusa Street, Holy Spirit environment is responsible. Some people are saying somewhere among like 600 you know, million souls or something like that. Even if that number is way off. I don't even know how they count that. Let's say a quarter of it is even accurate. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. So, this thing moves and spreads, and what's interesting is that, for that after that 10-year time gap, they still fellowship in their church. All the media and attention kind of leaves. They just fellowship in their little church. And then maybe eh, sometime after he passes away, um, someone else takes over, and then the church you know, just passes away after about you know, 30 years or so, 20 years or so after that. So, William Seymour, one of the things that he said was he said, listen, think that in 100 years there's going to be something significant like this that's going to happen here in the same area. Um, and he really felt strongly about that. And so that ties into how like all of these people ended up over here. It's about 100 years later, so if you did the math, right? 110 years later. And then all of a sudden you kind of have a shift in just the spirit working in different uh, ministry leaders' lives, drawing them together across countries, across different things. And, and one of the head guys that was a part of this, he so believed in this, he, put, he mortgaged his house. There was a church in Singapore, they didn't have all the finances to get it together in six, seven months, even though there's a lot of churches with a lot of money putting this thing together. They didn't have all the finances quite together yet church in Singapore said, hey, listen, we'll give you a million bucks. Like, just make sure it happens. Just hand over, like, a million dollars, you know, towards it. Like, there's a lot of little things in, these, in, in the details that are in there that, you know, a lot of people don't know. And that's why I say the story is really in the context, because a lot of times people just want to look at a thing and just judge it and just, like, you got to just look deeper and see what's going on. So, what happens is, all of these people meet there, we get there, so I'm with my brother-in-law, Frankie, uh, I fly, uh, I get there at like 10.30, their time, I, I run out of school real fast. It was the first time ever, I was the first one out of the school parking lot first on a Friday. Uh, I saw a kid behind me, I was like, I beat him. Um, 
So I made it to the airport on time, and uh, I finally get there. 10.30, their time was like 1.30 here. You know, we didn't get to bed till like, I don't even know. It's like, you know, 2, 2.30 here. It's like midnight there. So then we're up at like 4 a.m. Um, because people are starting to get in line over there at like 5 a.m. It's free. Just had to figure out a way to get there. All tickets were free, which is another very interesting thing. Um, so then we're waiting in line for like two hours. And I knew something was going to be different and unique about this because as we were waiting in line at one of the gates, there's a lot of gates, we were just waiting in line, you got a whole bunch of people doing the Michael Latu loop. They don't know him, but they're doing the Michael Latu loop, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus! You know, they're like, oh, coming down, Jesus! You're like, coming down. You got some other guy who's like uh, washing this lady's feet over here. And, you know, she, you could tell she was hurting, like getting along, you know, and waiting all that time. So he gets down, starts washing her feet. And then you got people like praying over here. Then there was another Iranian pastor over here that just, from Iran, that flew in. He just felt like God was calling to come. Like, and then he's like praying. There's craziness. And we're just standing in line. We didn't get like inside and do anything. So I'm like, man, this is like, man, you know, something's different about this one. So, then we eventually make it inside, and, and basically people get in, and they had a hard time getting everybody in there. It wasn't, like, it wasn't the most amazing coordination of volunteer work, but eventually it all came together, and we got inside. And one thing that struck me, I finally come back to that, right? One, the first thing that struck me was that there's about 65,000 people here. Uh, they all paid their way to get here. So standing in the rain. There, there's, there's not really preaching going on. It, it's, uh, and they are just, they, most of them, they haven't sat down at all. And they are just like, Jesus, 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 come, Jesus, come. Holy Spirit, come. And it was like, that hunger, right, and that desire to just give up a day like that, stand in the, in the rain, that, that was significant. That was significant to me. Because, I, I mean, like, a lot of times people just find, we, we can just find ways to just not make it to church or not make it to a meeting. And it, and it was just this hunger there that was, you know, I haven't seen or noticed in a while. Um, so we're there. So how does the day play out? You know, what happens? What do we do? So they have different people come there, and they're just praying. And then songs are just playing. And then somebody else comes out, he prays, and then one of the unique things that happens was because the original Azusa Street drew together people. Reconciliation was a huge, like, cornerstone mark of the Azusa Street revival, was reconciliation among people, specifically among races. And so there was like, man, I don't know, close to an hour of you had, so this young, young black man got up and he started talking about um, Ferguson and he started talking about Black Lives Matter t-shirts and he started talking about all kinds of stuff. And he did it in such an amazing and powerful way of where the black community is like hurting, but they don't want to use that as an excuse to isolate themselves and draw division lines within the church. It was just powerful. And behind him were police officers and people that were involved in places like Missouri and Ferguson, 
um, Aunt Florida and Trayvon Martin, all this stuff, like all these people are like standing and they're all praying. Ridiculous. Crazy. And then you have some of them like asking for forgiveness to other like representatives kind of within the church and, and it was just powerful. And then you have other denominations. You have a Catholic priest that's there. Um, Italian uh, Catholic priest that's there. And he's asking for forgiveness from some American pastors just saying, hey, listen, like we have just, we haven't want, we have not wanted to go with what you guys are doing. And so then one of the guys, you know, he gets down and um, he starts like, you know, praying with him and then he kisses his feet to just show he's like so sorry. He just wants reconciliation to be there. It was just like incredible. Like where is this coming from? I know where it's coming from, but it's powerful. And then after that, there's more praise and there's more prayer. And um, I'm trying to. Probably the next thing that uh, that sticks out is that Native Americans come on out on the stage. They would get all these Native Americans that are 100% Native American. And they come out there with like their garb on and with their instruments and they let loose praising God like with like their songs and with their instruments and they're like on the stage, you know, and like and they're all like doing their thing up there. It was like super powerful. And then you have a bunch of white pastors just saying, we are sorry for what this nation has done to you guys. Like this, it has not been right. Just powerful. Never heard or seen anything like that before. And I don't know if we, you know, will again. I don't know. Bless you. But it was powerful, really powerful stuff. Um, another thing that stuck out, um, there was this one part where um, there was this guy praying um, kind of during the whole day. And God had just spoken some things to him and to his heart. And he, he didn't write them down. He put them in his phone. And then he got on the microphone later on in the day. You know, it's the first time, you know, people have seen him. And most people didn't know who he was. Um, so he's like, yeah, God some, put some stuff in my heart. And so um, what I'm going to do is, you know, I'm, I'm just going to read some stuff off. And if that's you and you're in the stadium, you know, just wave your hands. And if I'm saying something that's, you know, it's true and you know something what I'm saying, you know, just wave them. If not, you know, just put your hands down. So right away, I'm like super skeptical. I'm like, come on. Like, you know, you're going to go through the registration cards, pick people out, like, you know, come on. I've been around a lot of things, seen a lot of stuff. Unfortunately, that's just not good, you know. So there's there's a strong skeptical part of me. Um, that doesn't mean the genuine doesn't exist. It's just, it's there, you know? So, uh, so he's, he starts, he goes, okay, you know, I forget the lady's name. So he gets her first and last name. Let's hope he's right. That's great. Um, and then he's like, he points out their street address. Okay, hopefully he gets that. And she's like waving like crazy, you know, in the stands. And um, then he's talking about their marriage, then the date of their anniversary, um, then something they had done in the past and where they're going to move to in the future in Oregon. It was like ridiculous. Like, it was so ridiculous. He would have had to hire a private investigator to follow around and figure out all this stuff. It was crazy. 
And he didn't do that for this one woman. He did that for about 10 people. And this, so all of a sudden, you have 65,000 people in the stadium. And it was like, he made it feel small, like a church family almost. Because he was like, pointing things out and like revealing stuff about their lives, not in a way to create a show. But his message was consistent through and through. Hey, listen, this is because God, God loves you. Your life is important to him. I want you to be encouraged by that. So don't stop. He said that repeatedly. So that was just like blew me away. Um, and uh, I don't know. There was just... So all this to say, okay? All this to say. I, I, I totally believe and feel that that was like a, a pretty significant moment just because of that diversity of who was the type of people from churches. Um, the, t- the ways that they talk about how people ended up there, about just how the event transpired. I do feel, firmly believe that the Spirit is looking to pour out Himself in a powerful way yet again. And I do believe that time is that time. But God will now be like, there's a shift that's going to be happening. And I think He's calling the local church to be ready for like what He's going to do. He's drawing people to himself. He's not okay. He's not okay with people being lost where they are and in their sin. He's not okay with it. And his heart burns. He passionately pursues his people. So one scripture that came to mind and I was reminded of it by another pastor, so that's why I'm going to use a passage because it really struck me and I think it works. I don't want you to feel like, oh, because I wasn't there, like somehow, you know, I missed something, or I'm not going to get something, or, you know, weird thoughts like that that come up. So take a look at Numbers 11 real quick. Numbers 11. So it's like all the way to the left. Thank you, Rick. All right. So, Numbers 11. Uh, Let's pick up in... uh, Verse, I think it's 16. 16. Verse 16. says, The Lord said... Moses, uh, bring me 70 of Israel's leaders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand here with you. So he said, got to go. He's got to get 70 of the leaders. Bring them with him. Have them stand before God. Verse 17. I will come down and speak with you there, and I will take of the spirit that is on you and put the spirit on them. They will help you carry the burden of the people so that you will not have to carry it alone. So basically, God is saying, hey, listen, this is like, you're leading this nation. This, you can't do this. 
do this thing by yourself. And like what we just talked about, God is known for lightning burdens. He finds a way to do it. And so God communicated to Moses, hey, you need some other guys to help you out with this thing. So get 70 of them, come before me. Uh, the leadership and, and spirit and influence is on you. I'm going to rest on them. They're going to help you out. Verse 18. Tell the people, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow when you will eat meat. Uh, hold on a Sorry, skip down a little bit to verse uh, 24. So Moses went out um, and told the people what the Lord had said. He brought together 70 of their elders and had them stand around the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke with him, and he took of the spirit that was on him and put the spirit on the 70 elders. When the spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but they did not do so again. So interesting how the Spirit just came, rested upon them, they prophesied, started speaking and proclaiming truth that was not of them, maybe telling of things that are to come or just telling of the goodness and greatness of God. doesn't say exactly what they prophesied, just that they did. They weren't speaking on their own. God is speaking to them, through them. Verse 26, However, two men whose names were Eldad and Medad, we're going to choose one of those for our next kid. Not. Um, Medad. Can you imagine that one? Medad. However, two men whose names are Eldad and Medad had remained in the camp. So they didn't go. So two guys that were supposed to go, they didn't go for whatever reason. Either they couldn't make it, chose not to, for whatever reason, they didn't go. Um, they were listed among the elders, but did not go to the tent. Yet the Spirit also rested on them, and they prophesied in the camp. In verse 27, a young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' aide since you, spoke up and said, Moses, my Lord, stop them. But Moses replied, Are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Then Moses and the elders of Israel returned to the camp. So one thing that I wanted to highlight and just pick out of there, and we're going to ask God to just do this in a minute, is that I don't want you to feel like somehow you were left out or our church was left out because you couldn't be there, be there in that moment. I firmly believe that His Spirit is here and alive and well. And that those two guys, like Bill Dad and me Dad, they didn't make it. And they still got blasted. They still got touched. Not everybody could be at everything. I don't, and I think it's supposed to be that way. We've got to handle what we've got to handle where we're at, and some people get to go to a thing, and some people don't get to go to a thing. It's just the way we experience life. So I just wanted to pray for Holy Spirit just to come with whatever happened and shifted and was poured out and imparted on that day, certainly with us now. I want to ask for that just to be released among us. Sound good? All right. So, Holy Spirit, we just, we pray that the work of that, what you're doing, Lord, um, the shifting that you're doing, the empowering that you're bringing, the clarity um, that you're bringing. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and just reside among us, that you'd be set free among us in a powerful way.
So we just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just come, that you'd anoint and touch each person in our church family, Lord. Holy Spirit, we pray that you'd come and anoint each person here, that you would overwhelm and overflow them. We pray that even people that couldn't make it to church this morning, Lord, that you touch them where they're at. And Holy Spirit, we pray for uh, the empowering that you give, not for a show of any kind, Lord, but to be empowered, Lord, to live out what you've called us to live out, Lord, um, to be able to be in line with what you're doing, Lord. Uh, You're going to be meeting souls, Lord. You're going to be saving souls. You're going to be drawing people to yourself, Lord. And I pray, Father, that We would be effective vessels for that, Father. So we just pray, Holy Spirit, that you just fill and fall upon each one of us. We just love you and we thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. So I do, I think that there's just going to be like this shift where God is really going to move and just he's just drawing people to himself in an aggressive way. There's been periods of that throughout history that have happened. Significant ways. We talked about the Great Awakening and Azusa Street. Honestly, it started even before Azusa Street. It started with the Welsh Revivals. In Ireland and in Scotland, the Welsh Revivals were huge. And William Seymour spent a lot of time studying that and trying to understand that. It was uncomfortable that... It was, there was something like that developing within the hearts of people. And, and, and he wasn't seeing much of that around him. If you remember, like, uh, maybe you don't, but during the 70s, huge move, and, you know, hear about the Jesus People movement. There was just a unique grace on the American church at that time for conversions. A lot of people got saved during the 70s. A lot of people got saved during the Jesus People movement. And there was like a unique grace there. But you talk to, talk to people this week, if you don't know anybody that hasn't, try and ask the people, like, you know, did you get saved during the 70s? People were talking about Jesus. It was easy to talk about Jesus. And for whatever reason, people were more receptive and they would respond. There was just a shift and a move happening within the Spirit at that time in that way. And I think that what God is doing, he's also doing a shift and a move right now during our time. In what way? I, I'm not exactly sure. How long will it take to play out? Don't really know. I do know that I want to make sure that our church family hopefully is at least open to it and doesn't want to get steamrolled by it. Or just watch it go on by. <laughs> I don't want to do that. I think there's a significant shift going on. I want to make sure that we're ready and we're available. And we're not just caught up in our own stuff, but we're aware of what God is doing and how he's moving. Another thing that was very significant that happened there, and this one was like, um, kind of blew me away too. Uh, so there was another person that got up. And he was praying, and he said, um, he said, you know, I said, I feel like right now there's a grace 
uh, for hearing to be restored in people that lost hearing. You know, and so he says, listen, if, if you struggle with that, if you have a hard time with that, um, you don't have it, or you suffered loss of it, uh, just raise your hand. People around you are just going to come around you just pray. And that was the other thing I didn't tell you about. Throughout the entire time, it was always, 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 it was never like person, fo- person on stage focused. It was always focused on who is around you, lay hands on them, pray for them, encourage one another. And even being a pastor of a New England church, I was kind of like, during the first time, I was like, uh, turn around and pray. I don't know this guy, you know what I mean? Like, uh. And I'll tell you what, the guy behind me was weird. Like, he was weird. I don't know what his deal was, but he was weird. His, like, his eyes are kind of glazed over. He's like, oh, brother, you are awesome, brother. And I'm like, and, and Frankie, my brother, and he's like, dude, I'm like, uh, this is weird, man. It's just, I don't even know. Is it spirit? Is it not? I don't know. The guy's just weird. There's just weird people in the Christian faith. I don't know. Um, but he was just, I kid you not, I'm not even exaggerating. That was literally the way he was. He had his hand on me and had his hand on Frankie, and we're like praying. This is earlier on in the day. This wasn't the hearing thing yet. It was late earlier on. Um, I think the call the, the, at that point in time was like, um, you know, pray for reconciliation in our nation as it was being shown on the stage. So that's what we're doing. We're praying for our country, for our churches. Because um, there's a spirit of division in churches, in our political system. It, it's just, it's ridiculous. And it thrives. It thrives, um, you know, uh, on just uh, people just being, disagreeing, you know, and just, just carnal stuff. So we're praying. So he's got his hand on me, his hand on Frankie. And I, I kid you not, he's like swaying, you know, his eyes like, and he's got this big goofy smile from like here to here. He's got this little goofy hat on. You know, I was like, we're not at the beach, dude. It's raining. Like, I don't even understand. Oh, God, you're so amazing. Yeah, it was, like, it was so goofy and weird. It was just hilarious. Um, but you just get thrown into that stuff. You know, it just happens. Like, we just got to, you know, it is what it is. But so during the ear thing, you know, people, so people raise their hands. Boom. You know, like, I got, you know, struggle with, I got problems with my ears. So then, you know, people are around, they lay hands on. If we were rows away, you know, then we'd be rows away, and we'd just put our hands out, pray for them at the same time, pray them all up. And then later on in the day, um, a bunch of people made their way uh, to the stage, and there's a lot of other things that, that were said and prayed for, for a lot of different things. Um, but the hearing one stuck out to me, probably because three of, like, the six people that are on the stage. So everybody that raised their hand for the hearing thing, not, not everybody had anything happen. Some people would just, nothing happened. I don't know why. It just happens that way. You know, I don't know. It doesn't mean we stop praying going after stuff, but I hope that also doesn't mean that's the thing that keeps us from being close to God. We can't sit on and wait on that stuff. And some people just do. That's when I say kind of crazy and weirdness. Like some people just follow all the stuff around waiting to get their thing. That's not a healthy place to be. He has to be our thing. He's got to be number one. He'll bring the other stuff in due time. So these three guys are on the stage. They're all veterans. And what happened, in some way, shape, or form, they were exposed to a bomb that went off near them, and either an IED or a suicide bomber or a car bomb. I think, actually, I think all three cases. And um, they just went down the line. Yeah, you know, I, um, 
about seven years ago or like a year ago or, you know, a few months ago. And these guys come up there and like, man, I couldn't hear before. He like, and now I can totally hear. And then he goes on to the next guy and he's like, well, you know, I, I lost all hearing on my left-hand side. And he's like, it's, it's still even kind of foggy right now. It's not totally better, but it's, it's significantly different than what it was. And, um, you know, everyone's just, just so thankful, just clapping it up, you know. It's just amazing, just walking down the stage. And, um, and then we heard from the third one. And that's just powerful stuff. It, that's powerful stuff. Like, that doesn't just... It's like a part of you that's just, you know, just not just... Oh, cool. That's just not an all-cool thing. If that's real, and if that is legitimately God, that causes us to wrestle with some things, I think. Another just one that stuck out. So there was a guy there that they brought early in the morning where um, he, had, uh, he had brain cancer, really bad. He could barely walk. He couldn't talk. So they brought him in the morning, before the event started, brought him to the stage, had a bunch of people pray for him. Nothing happened, no response, you know, nothing. Um, then by about 5 o'clock, he comes up to, he walks up to the stage. And he is from uh, Brazil, maybe? I forget where. Um, he starts talking. He's like, there's a translator up there. He starts talking. So he starts talking about how he has this brain cancer, how when it, uh, he got it, and how he was not able to walk or talk or move or do anything. And, um, and now, um, at least he's able to talk to some degree and, uh, and to move. And it was just wild, you know, it was just wild. Um, there was just a lot of that, a lot of that. And um, all, all, all the miracles and, and, like, the wonders, the purpose of that is to reveal a heart of love from a God that cares. It's not for a show. It's not for a show. And some people make it into a show and entertainment and you just YouTube something, something like that for 30 seconds and you'll find plenty of it. But that's like not the Lord's heart. It's the Lord's heart to empower His people to come and bless others and minister to them that reveals an amazing love that He has on their life. And sometimes he'll use wonders, healings, whatever it may be. That's really the goal of that stuff. And certainly some people miss it, but I definitely think that's God's heart behind it. And I'm trying to think if I... There's another one that stuck out. You know, the day was just... Uh, I think it was a unique day. Um, and it's by no means... Like the pinnacle, the climax, it, it's something that I think just started to get it going. It just started to get it going. So, the question then becomes what's the role for us? We're certainly far away from LA. Um, I think the role for us is this. So, go to uh, 1 Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter three. Close up with this thought here. Ten thirty nine. Okay. So it would be First Corinthians 
two things I think that God wants to highlight for us. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3. 3 through 9, and then I'll jump over to 1 Corinthians 4 too. So the first thing I think that God wants us just to be aware of in our, in our church family and how we can respond is, number one, um, we have to avoid the trap of the enemy to fall into divisive, carnal behavior and living. We have to just be on guard against that stuff. It tore apart the First Corinthians church here. Um, they just spent the whole day, and that did not summarize years and years of history, but it's small steps towards more forgiveness and reconciliation that needs to happen. And for us as Christians, right, that means some stuff for us personally. There could be, might possibly is, people in our lives that we have to, like, go make amends with and reconcile with. I mean, for any, like, things happen grand scheme, it has to happen into our hearts and our homes. Otherwise, it's, it's, it's fabricated. It's not real. And pretty soon people will see that. So God is going to call us to like reconcile with people either that have done wrong to us, done wrong against us. Or we've got to release some people that we've had in court for a long time in our own court. Um, could even be people in the church. You know, whatever it is, this reconciliation and this issue of forgiveness is cornerstone and paramount. And it has to be, if us as a church family, we're going to be at the forefront and be entrusted, which I'll talk about in a minute, and be entrusted with what God is going to bring, we have to be able to stand up under the weight of what he's going to bring. And if we're not strong on forgiveness, it's it's not going to be good for us. So take a look here. Um, 1 Corinthians uh, 3, let's pick up in verse 3. Uh, he says, Indeed, you are still not ready. I don't want it to be said about us. I hope you don't want it to be said about yourself. It creates, it creates a sense of urgency. You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? There's just a lot of that in the church, right? There's just countless like things that the church just quarrels and argues about that it's just craziness. Are you not acting like mere men? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? What, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose. Each will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. Right, so us, we guys got to be like, not caught up in the peripheral stuff. That hopefully can't just take much of a place, you know, in our church and in our homes. And there, there are there's just some people that just make it a thing to where they're just, they, they just warn and tell everybody about all the false and bad stuff that's out there. And 
they're almost empty of the gospel alive truth that breeds life into others. I don't even understand that. That's not the calling that we have. I'm not saying anybody in this room is doing that, but I'm just saying this in general. Like, there's a lot of that where there's just like, what do you think about that? What do you think about that? And then we argue, and then what are we doing? Like, I don't even understand this. And it happens in politics. It happens in a lot of arenas. I so hope that at the bottom of our hearts, forgiveness reigns supreme. And if we get understanding between two parties, awesome. But if we never get there, forgiveness is something we, like, we won't give up. We will forgive. We're going to look for a way to forgive. So is there anybody now that's got to forgive some people? Something in some way, shape, or form? Yeah, just raise your hand because we're just going to pray for it. Anybody else? Yeah, it's just, you're holding on to yourself like right now and you know it. Awesome, awesome. And that's a step of faith, like putting it up there because, I mean, obviously it doesn't make you look good. But it ain't about looking good. It's about God working. So awesome. So we raise some hands. So just keep your hands up. Right? Boom. So everybody just look around real quick. Right? Look around real quick. So then let's run over. Right? We'll do the same thing. Run over each person with their hand up. I'm just going to lead us in prayer. So get up out of your pews to the people that have their hands up. Right? We're going to pray. You don't want your brothers and sisters struggling with that nonsense, right? So just find somebody. There we go. So we're going to join in prayer together, right? Because we want our brothers and sisters to be set free, right? Forgiveness is a killer. It eats our lunch. It eats our lunch. <clears throat> Father, I just thank you uh, for each heart that was just honest. I praise you, I praise you, I praise you that the lie of holding on to bitterness and resentment is not worth it, Lord, that that's, that, that's not there, Lord. I just thank you. So I thank you, Lord, for that honesty, Father. And so we pray just for a release on those hearts, Lord, that are just holding things against people, either they did or done to them. We just pray for a release, Father. Set their hearts free, Lord. I pray, Father, that they would, Lord, completely give it over to you, Father. I pray that they would feel and sense your forgiveness and peace, Lord. And so now, if you guys could, just pray for them. Just pray for them. Just, uh, you know, right there in your little groups.
Father, I just pray, Lord, as they're praying, God, that uh, for each of their hearts, Lord, when the names of those people arise up within them, Lord, that you'd fill them with a desire to pray for them, Father. That you pray, um, that you give them a desire, Lord, to pray um, that good would come to those people, Lord, that they would encounter you, Father. Um, And I pray, Father, if it's something they've done to somebody else, Lord, that you give them an ability to receive um, your forgiveness, Lord, as well, Father. I thank you that you set us free, Lord, to be free, Lord. I thank you for the good work that you're doing, Father. And if, if you reveal certain elements, Lord, of unforgiveness and bitterness still there, even after, after they leave today, it doesn't mean that you're not working, and it doesn't mean it's in place. I pray they wouldn't be discouraged by it, Lord. And just allow you to do the work that needs to be done. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And that's a really important part about that prayer is that, so some people could be dealing with like, I'm just angry at so-and-so, or I, did, I wronged so-and-so, or I'm holding this against so-and-so. Um, there could be remnants of it later. It could be just done right now. And I just praise God for that, and that's awesome. And that wouldn't surprise me, to be honest. It really wouldn't. Come with that expectation. But if it takes a little bit longer, and there's still remnants, and it shows itself up, um, don't let the enemy be successful in just covering you with that didn't really happen. You're just a phony anyways. Like, all that nonsense. He is a punk, right? <laughs> engage with him. You know, engage just now. God's doing a good work and set me free from that. I don't have to just relate to people that way any longer. I can be in healthy relationships and do it the right way as you intend. And I just thank you, Father. It doesn't give a whole lot of room to enter. So I think that's one calling on us. We have like forgiveness and reconciliation. We have to intimately know about that before we can start talking and impacting our town about it. If we, are, if we don't intimately know and have experienced God do that in our lives and through our lives, how, how can we expect you know, our church to really do that in our community? It's, it just can't happen. You know, it can't happen. So we don't let God do that work. So that was one thing that came up. And another thing was this, uh, 1 Corinthians 4.2. It says, Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Right? Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Um, We're called to be stewards stewards of what he's given us, right? And um, grace is an amazing thing. It empowers us to live the Christian life because we can't do it in our own strength. But like I was talking, you know, with my brother the other day that grace is awesome. It's amazing. It's what makes the Christian life possible. It's what makes heaven possible. It's what makes our relationship with God possible. On the other side of grace is being a good steward with the grace that's been given to us. So there's a calling on our life that calls us into holiness. 
that calls us into a different way, right, of living. So grace is amazing, but just to live there and consume that is definitely not the end goal. You know, we're, we're definitely called to go further. We're called to be conduits of that. Um, and that, I don't say that to make the Christian life feel heavy. I say that to say that's what God is calling us to because he's going to empower us to get there. And so it's... it's uh, we just have to be good stewards of what we got. Um, in my mind, you know, certainly one of the pros I think of having a smaller church and just being at really our toddler stage um, is that uh, we only have a little bit of stuff. <laughs> we, we only got a little bit of kids. You know, we only got a little bit of people. Um, we only got a little bit of money. Uh, and um, I, I think it's really important and, and certainly kingdom principle I think Jesus makes it really clear that in order to be entrusted with more we've got to be faithful with a little um, so you know how faithful are we doing with, with, with our little I don't know I think God's saying we, we, we need some work like I think there's some stuff you know that happens and that's good here that I'm thankful for but I think that God's calling us to say hey we, we could do better you know just like Joe stirring her heart you know the women like you know just do better you know with our men here we can do better with our forgiveness our reconciliation and coming together as one you know like we can do better God needs better um, with our kids you know we're going to have to be like just be really faithful with what we've got um just really with a focus of, listen, I need to minister and pour out to my church family. I've been placed here by God. He's placed me here in the midst with my brothers and sisters. i got to invest into them. that. That's being faithful steward there. And because all of you, like, you're all gifted. You're all gifted. Some of you probably want to debate me on that, but you're all gifted you're all talented. Um, it, there's a need for you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. There's a need for you. And I could just go around, and I, I could like I could see a whole puzzle where all of you guys fit into different places. I can see it. Um, but that you can't force or control that stuff. It has to be the spirit just leading that. And hopefully, I can be a good job as being a pastor and come alongside and saying, yeah, that, that sounds pretty good. Like you should be going that route. That sounds amazing. It actually doesn't surprise me that you're going to be doing that, you know? Like, it doesn't surprise me, like, what God's doing in Joe's heart at all. Um, super proud of her for responding, but it doesn't, like, really, you know, surprise me. I mean, God does amazing stuff with the little that we give him. Um, so, I think God is definitely calling us to be a really a better steward of, this, of the little that we do have even right now. Really having a mindset of, hey, i got to invest into my church family. got to invest into my home. Um, just an overall consensus of, you know what? I don't want to do the procrastination thing any longer. Um, when I get around to it or when it feels okay, then I'll do it. It's like super toxic. Right? Super toxic. So let's, um, 
Let's close in prayer together. Oh, man, we didn't do the communion, and I already went long. Let's pass it out. And um, I don't mind helping. But I'm like, uh, I'm excited about what God wants to do and how he's moving and shifting some things. Like even this summer, there's an event this summer. You can look it up online if you'd like. It's called Reset. It's called Reset. As in like, you know, your computer is horrible. You know, you got to reset it. You know, start all over. Um, there's a movement called, oh yeah, movement called Reset. I thought I grabbed it, sorry. There you go. There's a movement called Reset, and um, what they're doing is they're going to Washington, D.C., and what they're going to do there is they're asking God to, like, their phrase, their word is reset. So I just got to reset our country, reset my home, uh, reset my heart, um, you know, reset what's happening in my school, you know, at my job. Help us to get back to following you. And um, So it's another move of prayer. It's different than Azusa where, like, that was more reconciliation, revival kind of focused. But that same thread of prayer and a hunger and just a tenacity to go after all that God has, that's just, there's just a lot of that going around. In Connecticut, as far as church plants go, within the past, like, 10 years, it has spiked through the roof. It's crazy how many churches have been planted um, in Connecticut within the past 10 years, us being one of them. It's interesting. There's, um, there's groups of uh, other pastors and leaders throughout this state that are making a very intentional effort as far as getting together, trying to join ranks, trying not to be separate, even if they're in different denominations. Uh, multiple pushes towards this, all developing over the past like 10 years. It's really interesting how it's kind of playing out here. Um, it's interesting even how our... Oh, thank you. How our little valley here, like we got bombarded with like satellite churches and church plants. And I'm not mad at that. Like, God's doing a shift and he's going after his people. So all like he's just like moving, drawing people to himself. So it's a really beautiful thing. Um, So Jesus, I just, uh, I just thank you that, you know, a reconciled relationship to you is only possible uh, because of what you did. Um, how you went to the cross for us and, and, and paid our price, Lord, that we couldn't pay. We thank you, Jesus, that you've done that. I pray we wouldn't lose sight of your sacrifice. I pray, God, that we wouldn't lose sight of the kind of selfless love that you call us to live. Many times, Lord, the love we give out will not be reciprocated. And I pray that that would not destroy us, Father. Empower us. Give us the strength, Lord, to uh, live out how you've called us to live, Lord. And we pray that you would just be released just among us in a powerful way.
We just thank you for how you're moving, Lord. Clear to us what you're doing here in this town. Talk, Lord. Show us how to pray for Naugatuck. I pray that we could be more involved in this community, Lord. We're kind of involved, Lord, but we're not super influential and impacting, Lord, in this community. And I just pray that you would be, Lord. I pray that you'd show us areas where we can be better stewards. I pray that you reveal to people, Father, um, abilities, talents, and giftings you have in their life uh, that our church needs, Father. <clears throat> so, Lord, we just want to say we just embrace what you're doing and the shift that's taking place. We pray that you'd use us, Lord. We stand with it in agreement, Lord, with what you want to do. Name. Amen. So it says, while they're eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. So we take and we eat. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So we take and we drink. Let's stand and close in prayer. I was super confident that I was going to be like, you know, a quick little half hour, catch up, a little summary of what happened. I was super confident about that. Um, so I'm sorry that I went longer. Um, but I just, I just think it's important um, for you to know, like, where my heart is and what I think God is doing. And I think what he's calling us to. Um, helps us to pray. And hopefully it just helps to equip us a little bit better. I hope. You know? So Holy Spirit, we just pray that you just come. Make your face to shine upon us. Pray that you give us peace, Lord. We pray that your love, um, your gentleness, your patience, our inability to keep a record of wrongs, uh, our forgiving attitude, Lord, our peacemaking spirit. We pray that that would go out into the world, Father. Pray that arrogance um, and, and, and just proudness, Lord, would not be with us, Lord, but we would just be humble, Lord, and eager to show your grace and your love, Father. So, God, we don't have a clear understanding of exactly how you're going to move and what you're going to do. But we just thank you that you're doing it, Father. And we certainly are not going to be satisfied with the status quo. So we love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.